Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey, did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Good. If you didn't take it from somebody else, make sure you have one. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter number 4 is where I'd like for you to turn this evening. Second Corinthians chapter 4. You know, some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his team members, uh, we, we can read in John chapter 14. Now, uh, some of his last words, not all of them, but some of them. And uh, you, know they say, they say, you know what they say about somebody's, somebody's last words, right? Mo- most of the time, they are, they're profound and, and, um, and deep and, and directing and challenging. Well, uh, when you turn to John 14... Uh, looking at some of the last words of Jesus, you come to a very familiar statement. He said in John 14, verse number 1. Go ahead and flip that, fellas. Look at this Bible verse. Uh, You you up there? Uh, He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, you've heard that, you've read that, you've seen that many times, right? Look at it again. Let not your heart be troubled. And so what Jesus basically is saying there, we, if, we, if we were to uh, try to put it in, you know, uh, maybe a conversation that we would use today, Jesus is basically saying there, don't, don't, allow yourself, don't allow yourself to get discouraged, right? Don't allow yourself to get discouraged. Let not your heart be troubled. He's speaking to his team, speaking to those disciples, right? Uh, basically handpicked, Right? He handpicks these individuals, trains them, uh, works with them, and now he's getting ready to leave them. And he knew they were going to go through some things, and so he encourages them. In fact, many would say he commands them, don't allow yourself to get discouraged. But here's what we know. We know that's not as easy as it sounds. But the reason why I believe Jesus instructs his disciples like that, why he says what he says, is because he knew discouragement was a reality. Discouragement is a, is a common uh, emotion that everyone, everyone, if you, if you got feeling, if you're alive and you breathe, at one time or another in your life, you're going to feel discouraged. But Jesus says, don't allow yourself to be discouraged. Or maybe what he's saying is, don't stay in that state of mind. Don't stay in that state of discouragement. And I'm not going to get real deep because I got a, lot, I got a long way to go with this message. But I, but I think this, when we speak about discouragement, we need to understand exactly what it's talking about, not getting into all the details about it, but it's basically a feeling of where we, we kind of we lost our motivation, you know? Uh, some would describe it as a loss of spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but, uh, you know, you just lose your enthusiasm. 
When people get discouraged, you, you might hear yourself saying things like this, and pay attention right here. You may hear yourself saying things like this, you know, I, I, just, I, just don't feel, I just don't feel like doing that anymore. I just don't think I can do that anymore. Are you with me? And sad to say, uh, being around church and church work for many years, uh, I've heard us say it. You know, I don't, I don't think, I just don't think I, I don't think I can teach that class anymore. You know what? I don't, I don't even know if I want to go to church anymore. I don't know if I want to do it anymore. Discouragement. That's discouragement. And there's a number of things I think that contribute to one being discouraged. And when you look in the scriptures, now we're going to get to this text, I promise, and break it down. But when you look at the scriptures, you find because, you know, the Bible is filled with human beings. And they weren't all supernatural. They were just like you and I, you know. And so if we get discouraged, they got discouraged. And I'm glad the Bible is filled with truth. It doesn't just color code it or candy code it. You know, you don't read all the great things. You read everything. You read about people's, you know, good days and bad days. And there are a number of people uh, in the scriptures who we read about who got discouraged, and we, we find out what contributed to their discouragement. For, for example, uh, we spoke a couple Sundays ago about a fellow named Job. You know, Job got discouraged. And I think this, if you were to do a study on Job and his discouragement, I, I think we would conclude that Job's discouragement uh, was contributed by others. By his friends, right? And they discouraged him. You know, those guys who came alongside of him, who were supposed to uplift him and be a blessing to him, uh, they discouraged him. In fact, in fact, when you read through the text of Scripture, even his own wife contributed to his discouragement. And I think, I think maybe if you were to talk to Job, Job may have said something like this, you know, they, they just don't get it. You know, they, they, they just don't understand what I'm going through. His friends didn't understand it, correct? And every once in a while, you know, we get discouraged, and that discouragement is, you know, it's because of others that we come in contact with. You read about a fellow named Elijah. You, you read about the story of Elijah, right? Great story in the Bible. Great man of God, prophet of God, but Elijah got discouraged. Isn't that right? And basically, it was because of, of the circumstances that were surrounding his life. And he was a man of prayer. He prayed fervently, but things just didn't go the way uh, he had hoped. And he finds himself discouraged. And when you read in, in 1 Kings chapter number 19, you find him kind of saying, or kind of believing, or kind of intimating that his whole minute, pay attention, his whole ministry was a waste. I wasted my time. I, I wasted years. I wasted my life. He was discouraged. When we look back on Elijah now, we say, man, where are the Elijahs of God? Right? And, and so, and then you read about a fellow named Jeremiah. I'm sure you read the book of Lamentations. Right? You know, you know the root word of the word lamentation? You know what it is? Lament. It means to lament. You know what it means? What it means to lament? Pretty much means to weep. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And you know, when you look at Jeremiah, there was a time in his life in the book of Lamentations where he was discouraged. And you know what happened? He got angry. And guess who he got angry at? Anybody know? 
God. He got angry at God because he, he kind of, I don't know, he just kind of felt as if God was against him. And because of that perspective, now pay attention right here, because of that perspective, he temporarily lost his hope in God. Eliah, uh, Jeremiah. And then, of course, there's Peter. You know, you think about Peter, and Peter got discouraged. You know, Peter got discouraged with himself. Did you ever discourage yourself? Huh? You know the situation that Peter was in, right? And, and the Lord, the Lord kind of warned him and said, you know, Peter, you're full of yourself. And Peter thought, no, man, I, I got this down, Lord. I've come a long way. And the Lord said to Peter, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. You know what Peter said? Peter said, no way, man, not going to happen. Not me. And then, of course, you know the end of the story where he did. And Peter seems to be discouraged, discouraged by, him, by, by himself. He discouraged himself because he could not believe that he was so prideful that he missed, you know, a lot of the stuff that was, you know, still in his life that should have been out of his life. And then, of course, there's our adversary, the devil. And the Bible says he seeks to devour, and so he's on a, he's on a mission to destroy us. And so what is it that, you know, contributes to our discouragement? Well, there's a number of things in that, right? And so what I've done for us tonight is this. I'm, I'm going I'm to guide us through just three passages of Scripture, and I want you to see a few things that I, I hope will be an encouragement to you because it's all too possible to lose heart isn't it? It's all too possible for us as God's kids to get discouraged, to get stuck in a rut. And let me remind us, tomorrow or two days from now, it's December 1st. Hello? Uh, and guess what happens in December besides Christmas? Depression and discouragement. You know what happens? Discouragement leads to depression and if you're not careful, depression doesn't stop at depression. It can turn into despair. And there's a lot of people in the month of December that go through some real hard times, you know. And there's reasons for it, you know. And, and hopefully we can help those who may be connected with us to try to get through it. But I want us to examine a couple of scriptures here and see if we can't find some help in this area of discouragement. Look at this text of scripture. The Apostle Paul gives us a, kind, of, kind of a glimpse as to what he was going through. Look in verse number 8. I'm in 2 Corinthians 4, and, and he says this. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You see that? I'm so glad that when he says we're troubled on every side, he didn't stop there. And we're perplexed. I'm, I'm glad he didn't say troubled on every side, perplexed, persecuted, forsaken. No, he gave the flip side of the coin, doesn't he? And I think maybe, maybe what he's saying is this. It's possible, now pay attention right here. It's possible to get discouraged. It's possible to lose heart when life seems to be unbearable. Life ever become unbearable at times for you? Huh? Are you with me, guys? Flip up that, that point. Uh, you may have, there you go. When life seems to be unbearable. And I'll tell you what, when Paul begins to talk about what he's talking about here, I'm not sure if I can identify. Troubled on every side? 
Well, maybe he's talking about this. Maybe he's talking about this. So uh, you walk into the kitchen and you open up the refrigerator and the light's out. You check the freezer and the ice cream's melted. And you say, oh, man. What do you say? I'll say, good night. Donna, what'd you do now? Man. And then she says, uh, hon, the dryer's not working. Huh? What? You got to be kidding me. The refrigerator's not working. Dryer's not working? No. Oh, my soul. Somebody's up on the second floor. Hey, toilet won't flush. Has it ever happened to you like that? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you know, one thing goes wrong and everything else just says, it's a good time to follow suit. Garage door won't go up or won't close. You know? Help me here. Trouble on every side. I, I, can, I can understand that. And then he says this, look, uh, perplexed, uh, persecuted, forsaken. Life seems unbearable. But we need to read on, and i got to go through this. He says in verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. <laughs> Look at that, faint not. For which cause we faint not. Even though, even though there's all this stress in our life, and even though there's every reason to just say, you know what, I, I just don't want to do it anymore. He said, I understand something. I understand this. All these things that are happening on the outside of me are working something inside of me to cause me not just to focus on the temporal, but on the eternal. Are you with me? Look at it again. In verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, the inward man, the inward man is renewed. And so what Paul is saying is all these things that are happening from without are there for a reason. What's the reason? Well, I, I think we can conclude this, that Paul understood God's purposes in his life. I think Paul understood he had a grip on God's providence in his life. And I think what he's saying here is this, there's going to need to be more than adversity and affliction uh, that's going to stop me. It's just not going to happen. So when life becomes unbearable, there's the possibility for you and I to get discouraged. But I think if we were to think a little bit further, there's a text of Scripture in Luke chapter number 18. It says this. Listen to this Bible verse. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's a great Bible verse. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Right? And then, and then it follows up, Jesus follows up with a story, it's a parable, about a woman who prayed the prayer of importunity, or she prayed this persistent prayer. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, right? And then he talks about this woman who went to this judge and said to this judge, Lord, avenge me, mine adversary. And you know, the judge didn't, he didn't, he didn't listen to her at first. And so the judge goes, you know, the woman comes back to the judge, and the Bible kind of teaches that this woman just drove this judge crazy. 
You know, every day, Lord, a judge, uh, avenge me, mine adversary. Amen. And he, he said, the Bible says this, because the woman wouldn't go away, the judge just said, man, we better just take care of it and avenge her adversary. And the principle there, the lesson there that the Lord is trying to teach us is this. Uh, every once in a while, the Lord seems to be unresponsive, but you just need to keep on praying. So it's possible to lose heart when the Lord seems unresponsive. I appreciate what Brother Ron said on Sunday morning in the message when he was talking about the woman who came to Jesus and was, was begging for some bread. Remember that little story? Matthew chapter 15. And, and Jesus says to the woman, he says to the woman, I, I, can't, I can't give you what doesn't belong to you. I can't give you bread. It's for, it's, it's for the children of Israel. And the woman could have said, well, at least I tried. At least I tried. But she didn't stop there, did she? No, she said, well, what about the crumbs that fall from the table? What, what about the crumbs? And the idea there is the same, it's the same lesson as the woman who prayed the prayer of importunity, where the Lord is saying this, you just need to be persistent and just keep on and keep on and keep on. So when the Lord seems to be unresponsive, did you ever pray and and wonder if God's even hearing you? Did you ever pray and pray and pray? I have a grandfather who's still alive. This December, this upcoming month, he'll turn 101. 101. And uh, he is, he's kind of like, he's been like a dad, right? I mean, I, I love him to death. He loves me to death and uh, kind of raised me. And uh, I call him Bud. He calls me Bud. That's just always the way he's been. He's Bud. Hey, Bud. And we just talked the other day. I call him, hey, bud, how's it going? And he's as sharp as could be. Uh, and, and so, but we prayed, we prayed for Bud, my grandfather. His name is Joe. We prayed for his salvation. I promise you now, this is not hyperbole. We prayed for his salvation for 40 years, right? 40 years. And now you got to understand something. In my family, God's been really good to our family. We have, I think, I, I lost count but well over 12 preachers in our family. I think 14 when it comes to school teachers and everything else. And so I have, I have an uncle who's a pastor, a brother-in-law who's a pastor, two cousins that are, a, that are pastors. I have a son-in-law who's a pastor. And so down through the years, my grandfather, Joe, came to hear me preach many, 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 many times. And you can only imagine being a preacher and the kind of preacher that I am and having my lost grandfather sit right there that I am going to pull out all the stops and preach like the house is on fire, right? I'm not going to candy coat it. I'm just going to let it rip. And he would come, and I mean to tell you, I was his favorite preacher, you know? Uh, whether he liked it or not, I was because I was his grandson. But, and, and then if we were having special guest preachers or if one of the family members, my uncle was preaching or he would, he would come, he'd come to church. And I mean, he'd sit there and sit there. And my wife and I through the years and my mother and my aunt and my dad, we tried to witness to him, lead him to the Lord. But he was a, he was a staunch Roman Catholic. I mean, as Roman Catholic as you can get, his patron saint, if that means anything to you, is St. Jude. And so around his chest hangs a necklace with a big St. Jude mm, ornament. 
medal, and then he, he had a big St. Jude ring. I mean, big old gold thing, man, with St. Jude, you know, on it. And so I thought, man, I got it. I know what I'm going to do. We're going to have him over for dinner. We're going to make his favorite meal. And I'm going to say to him, kind of real, real coy, I'm going to say to him, hey, guess what I did this week? I read up on St. Jude. And you're not going to believe what I found. Because I didn't think he knew this, and he didn't know this. I found out that Jude was, and Jude was, and, Jude, and guess what? And Jude believed in Jesus Christ to be his person. I thought for sure I'm going to get him now, man. I'm going to backdoor him. You know, when I worked through his patron, St. Jude. <laughs> and he just looked at me, you know, like, really? <laughs> Again? If you're going to, I think he said something like this. Now, you know, I don't like to talk about this. So if we continue with this, I'm going to have to leave. And I'd say, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I just want you to know I love you. And by the way, through all of that, through all of that, I never lost my testimony with him and never closed the door in witnessing to him. So a few years back, four years ago, my mother, bless her heart, was in an accident, a pretty bad accident, and a few months later she died. My mother and my grandfather were, they were like that. And my mother lived to see my grandfather get saved. My mother would have prayed the prayer of Paul, I wished my own self to be accursed so that my father would be saved. She, she would pray that prayer. You know, and so when she passed away, <laughs> the day after, we got a chance to lead my grandfather to a saving knowledge. And I mean to tell you, he got saved because he was not the kind of guy who would fake it. I mean, for 40 years, we witnessed to him, you know, he got saved. He got saved. He got saved. And, and I can tell you a lot more about the story, but I brought that story up to say this. We prayed for 40 years please God, open up the eyes, soften the heart, remove the scales, and bring Joe DeFusco to a saving knowledge. And after 40 years, our family rejoiced in seeing Pop Bud get saved. Jesus says, just keep on. Just keep on. Just keep on. So when, you know, we, we, we can lose heart when life seems unbearable, when the Lord seems unresponsive. And I thought about this. I thought about Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 9, where it says, And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. And if you're involved, if you're involved, if you're involved in, in church work, if you're involved in, in living for God, you know every once in a while you can lose heart simply because uh, it just seems like our labors are unfruitful. You know? I've counseled with people and even preachers who want to throw in the towel. They want to quit. They want to give up because they just seem as if, eh, what is my life? You know, I've been teaching this class forever and, and I don't see any fruit. You know? My, my, my family is not what they ought to be. My job is at a standstill. Are you with me? Even pastors will say, you know, I've been at that church for a long time, and my attendance never got over 100. Right? And so we begin to lose heart, and we might say things like, you know what, I just don't, I don't want to do it no more. I can't do it no more. But I like what, what it says there in that text of Scripture. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season. That's a promise. 
ye shall reap if you faint not. Right? Are you with me? And so here, here's what we must believe. We must believe that reaping will come if we just stay at it. If we just stay at it. Amen? If we just stay at it. And I can give you a couple of stories to go along with that, but I'm going to refrain because I want to give you, I want to give you something to take with you. So what happens when we come to these times in our life and we're just feeling a bit discouraged? And maybe we're, you know, we just lost heart and maybe we just don't want to do it no more. I don't want to teach that ladies Bible study anymore. These ladies, you know, they just, they start to come, they, they stop coming and they never finish through with it. You know, I don't, I don't want to sing in that choir no more. I mean, to tell you, it's just practice after practice and, and it just doesn't seem like anybody's enjoying it. I don't want to. What happens when we start to feel like that? Let me give you a couple things to take with you. You ready? Here we go. Number one, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Go ahead, guys. Stay with me. Be honest with yourself. What do you mean by that, preacher? Here's what I mean by that. It doesn't do any good to pretend that you're not feeling the way you're feeling. Huh? When I was was a younger pastor, I told you this a couple weeks back, I pastored a first-generation church, and a first-generation church is filled with first-generation Christians. I mean, these are all people who just got saved, you know? And so, really, they didn't know. They didn't know how, how to live for God. They didn't know a lot of the things that you learn as you go along, right? And it used to drive me crazy. And I, I, for, for some reason, we, uh, Mrs. Genesee, Don and I, we took the church in 1988, and there were 35 in Sunday school, 17 members. The first year, we were averaging 125. You know, so from 35 in Sunday school to 125. Second year, we were averaging 225 to 250. The church was growing quickly. You know, uh, within a few years, we were running 300. But these are all first-generation Christians, and with it came all the baggage. And then it went to 400, and then 500, and then 600. We're averaging 750, and then 900. And, and there were many times I would go home. I promise you this is the facts. On Sunday night, I'd go home, Bob, just absolutely spent, empty, exhausted, Tony. And I would say to my wife, I would say to her, I'm done. I, can't, I just can't do it no more. I'm finished. I'm not going back tomorrow. I'm not going to do it. And for Christmas one year, the deacons got together and bought me a lazy boy. (laughs) They did. They got together and they just bought me a lazy boy. That's not any, I'm I'm good, guys. You have four deacons in there. I'm good. Uh, I already have it. I got one. I'm good. Uh, And so I remember, remember this? On Sunday nights, I'd come home many Sunday nights as a young pastor, and I would you know, kids would go to sleep and just be Don and I, and I'd get in my, my, my lazy boy, put it in fourth gear, all the way back, feet up, all the way back, and I'd say, I'm done. I'm not doing it. I got a CDL license. I'll drive a truck. I'd rather go drive a truck than pastor that church. I quit. How many Sunday nights did I do that? Many Sunday nights. Now, here's the secret to that. I never told anybody. I never called the deacons to say, I quit. Because they would have said, okay, we, we, we're, we're good. <laughs> and I was afraid they'd say that, you know. And then Monday morning, I rehire myself. You know, I wake up, say, all right, let's, let's do this all again. And, you know, that's the, that's the absolute definition of insanity, you know. Uh, but I would get discouraged. Why? And I had to be honest with myself. I was trying to be the God of that church, not the pastor of that church. And I was taking everything personal. I was taking on everything 
Are you with me? And so I just needed to be honest with those feelings and, 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 and try to figure you know, a way to get, to get past it. See, you can't take action unless you first admit there's something going on in your life that's wrong. The second thing I would suggest is this. Pay attention to your thought life. Pay attention to your thought life. Feeling discouraged, feeling down, losing heart. Pay attention to your thought life. Uh, maturing as a believer means this. We learn to think properly. And there's no better place to turn than Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 8 where Paul begins to say, you know, uh, think on these things, whatsoever things are. And he gives you that list, whatsoever things are true and just and honest and, and lovely and, and if, if there be any virtue, any praise, you know, think on these things. What a wonderful list of things, you know, to think on. Take every thought to uh, you know, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You've got to make sure that your thought life is proper because, you know, every once in a while, did you ever hear that term stinking thinking? Every once in a while, we just allow our, our thoughts to go down that road of negativity, right? And the devil just allows, you know, all these negative things to come into your, your mind. And, and man, before, before you know it, you're thinking all these crazy things that aren't even true. So pay attention to your thought life. I think this, I said this in, in that first text, uh, text of Scripture we, we looked at. Train yourself to see out of, out of two lenses, the temporal and the eternal. Because sometimes every, all we do is we just look at the temporal. You know, we just look at what's going on right now. Huh? Right? Uh, I, I don't want to get too personal with, with things with, with my wife right now and her health. Uh, but no, I'll tell you what, we know. We know God is up to something through this, right? And every time we go to another whatever we have to go to, we're always looking for God. Where, where's God in this? Who do we need to speak to today? Who do we need to rub off with? She, she's talking to a surgeon just the other day and in the office. And all of a sudden, man, before you know it, she's bowing down with the surgeon. She's praying with the surgeon. I, Hello? I mean, if you're just looking at the temporal, well, good grief. I got an illness. I got, a, I got to deal with this. I thought you loved me. I thought I'm in your will. I thought we're serving God. You just brought us to open Bible. What's going on now? God's got all that. So you got to try to see through two lenses. The temporal, because you can't ignore the temporal. But then the eternal, like Paul said, all these things are working for a greater, greater cause. These outward things help me to build this, this inward man. And so you train yourself to see the eternal. And then, and then this probably ought to be at the top. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. You say, Pastor, you're preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even the choir needs to get preached to. And I don't mean our choir, I mean us. You know that terminology, preach to the choir, right? Stay close to God. Listen carefully. Nahum said this, Nahum 1 and verse 7, the Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. And that means this, if, if we're not in a close trusting relationship with God, life's troubles can be overwhelming. Listen to it again. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. If you're not living in a trusting relationship, if you're not close with him, man, life's troubles are overwhelming. Did you ever hear yourself say this? How in the world do people do life without the Lord? 
right? And how do you handle it when somebody comes along and says, yeah, that headache you have is a tumor, right? Uh, you know, yes, that, that what you're excreting, you shouldn't be excreting. Yes, that little baby that's just been born has been born with illnesses that's going to affect the rest of its life. How do you handle that without the Lord? I don't know how you handle that without God. I wouldn't want to think about it. In fact, the psalmist cried out, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If it wasn't for my trusting relationship in you, the psalmist said, I'd have fainted. And that word fainted there means more than just passing out. It means giving up. It means not moving forward. Stay close to God. And then let me give you one final thought, and I'm finished. Replace your feelings or your thoughts. Replace your thoughts. You know, whenever a negative thought comes in, we just need to replace it. You know? Uh, sometimes it's, it's impossible to remove it, but replace it. You know what I do? Here's what I do. I promise you this is the facts. I whistle. I do. I whistle. I inwardly, inwardly, I sing a song. Huh? You may not believe this. Maybe you will. But most nights when I pillow my head, the very first thing I do, Raji, is I think of a song and I start singing it. I don't sing it out loud because my wife is sleeping. <laughs> but I start singing it in my mind, you know. And, and I tell you, before long, I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping, you know. Why? I'm replacing thought. I don't want to lie there all night and build a building or teach a lesson or build a sermon. I need to get to sleep. Mm. Right? So how do I turn that off? I just replace that thought. Can I, can I tell you a, a, real, a real good practice, a good exercise is practice gratitude. It's amazing. The gratitude is a powerful antidote to discouragement. <laughs> I tell you, you can't be discouraged and be, gra be grateful at the same time. You can't walk around whooped and say, well, thank you, God, you're so good to me. No, I just don't work that way. Thank God. God has been so good to all of us. Huh? Look here, if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, I've had, I've had a better life than I've deserved. If I never get a chance to preach again, I will thank God for the last 38, 9 years that I've had a chance to preach. Right? If, if I don't see my wife tomorrow because I died in my sleep, it's all good. God's been good in my life, right? Practice gratitude. So what do we do when we're going through a time of discouragement? Be honest with yourself. Pay attention to your thought life. Train yourself to see the eternal. Get close to God and stay close to God. And then finally, replace your thought life. I was reading this about Christopher Columbus He's one of my Italian heroes. And it says this in his, in, his, in his ship logs, because, you know, they would keep a journal and a log. In his ship logs, it said, it said this in one of, the, one of the logs. It said, today we sailed, still no land in sight, but we sailed on. Did you get that? Today we sailed, <clears throat> no land in sight, but still we sailed on. And then day after day, Entry after entry were the words, today we sailed, still, still no land, but we sailed on. <laughs> Did you get that? We sailed on. Look here, in life, you, you may not be able to look out and see land, but just sail on. 
Just sail on. What's the option? What's the alternative? You just, just keep going on. Why? Because in due season, <laughs> we're going to reap if, if we faint not. Amen? So here's what we're going to do, class. We're going to take a break from this series on emotions. And over the next couple of weeks, because we're entering into, you know, December and Christmas season, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to deal with some, uh, some subject matter about Jesus, okay? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to study out the, the incarnation of Christ and the purpose of, of the incarnation, things of that nature, just for a couple of Wednesday nights, okay? Sound good? And, uh, and then when we get into the new year, uh, we'll, we'll pick up our study again. You with me? Defeating discouragement. There's a way to do it. You don't have to stay discouraged. Aren't you glad? Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we had tonight to study it, to examine it. And I pray as we leave, practice it. It'll do us no good unless we apply it. And so help us during whatever time of season we're in. And I don't mean Christmas season. I mean season of life to realize that you're there and uh, it's common. We're going to go through these times, but we don't have to stay there. You, you encouraged us to don't let ourselves get discouraged or stay discouraged. Help us to deal with it, deal with it properly. And uh, Lord, I pray on the other side, we'll be able to help, uh, help others that are going through the same thing. For we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.